From multiple editable locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Charles McGregor, solo developer of the game Hyperdot, to discuss designing and creating level editor tools in games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Charles, the floor is open. If you have anything to start us with, <laughs> my br- no, I don't actually have anything. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I was real nervous. <laughs> if y'all didn't listen to the last episode, um, uh, don't. <laughs> I just yeah, <laughs> I just wow. grilled for like an hour and, a, and oh, ten good. minutes. Charles came out you swinging. Have to three years to build up the fury to say yeah. something like he did in last week's episode. So yeah. we'll have you back on. Well, uh, Stephen, you do have to say something objectionable, and then we'll have Charles yeah. on three years later to chew you out go. about it. So we'll put that right. on the calendar. That, that won't Save be it, hard. Yeah. I say a lot of things. <laughs> 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 well, Charles, other other than being a uh, brother to the show, um, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name's Charles McGregor. Uh, I'm the Sole developer of Hyperdot and uh, Tribe Games, um, which is now going in tenth year, going, going under that name. Yeah, uh, it's not as like an official business. It's been like four years as an oh, official yeah. business. You've had but, the t- um, you've had the shirt for that long. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the shirt for like six years. Okay, that's what counts. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, actually, uh, Tribe Games started out because my brother didn't want to pl- uh, make games with me. Um, <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> I knew I'd get thrown under the bus eventually. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So uh, my dad and my brother both were like, uh, God, we, I don't want to work on games. Like my dad was like, had a you know a legit excuse. He didn't want to work on games after he did his day job work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like have his young, his child be like, yeah, dad. I want to make games. Especially when you saw the org chart and you at the top of it. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I want to be here. And he's like, nah. I need Uh, more creative control. Yeah, I'd like to hire you. (laughs) The pay is nothing. Yes. Uh, um, But yeah, my my brother was all like, yeah, I don't want to make games. I don't like programming. Um, So in response to that, yeah, we'll go with response to that. uh, I basically was like, oh, okay, well, I'll make a game uh, first to show that, hey, this is actually a thing that we can do. This is a viable thing to, that we can do. He didn't uh, give up on you, Stephen. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, then uh, even after you gave there. up on him. After, <laughs> exactly. I came back. I came back. We got the game together. <laughs> uh, Charles, how, how old were you when this all went down? Uh, I guess I was 16 when this was happening. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, pretty I'm cool. 20, 26. Wait. Yeah. Am I 27? Oh my. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was 26. Oh, it's, oh. it's so fun to listen to people who still keep track. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, reco- <laughs> we're recording this a few days before my birthday, too. So that's part yeah. of it. <laughs> I'm like, am I still in my mid 30s? Probably, but I'm not going to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do the math now. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and I just don't. Okay, well, uh, enough of this frivolity, everybody. Uh, Charles, <laughs> you had been working on Hyperdot, a game that came out this year for how many years, roughly? 
Uh, I am now on my fourth year. Okay, which, you know, for yeah. a solo game at the scale of Hyperdot, you know, you're not setting any records, but it is a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But one of the things you did to make your work on it longer was you put in a full level editor. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you yeah. wanted to, that's what you wanted to talk about today on the show, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, I wasn't even planning on having a level editor when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to be like, yeah, I don't need to make a level editor, uh, even though I said, yeah, I'll make 100 levels. No problem. I'll just like type it in by hand. Mm-hmm. No, no issues there. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Lane, who also works on Finjits, uh, was like, yeah, you're going to need to make a level editor. I was like, nah. <laughs> after I made the second, the, I attempted to make the uh, second level. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to have to make a level editor. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I a know. pretty common story is that there's, there'll be internal level editor tools and they'll usually be pretty janky or really only suited for internal use. But right. not uncommonly, it'll be like, a, oh, let's just uh, cross some T's and dot an I or two, and then maybe we can bundle this with the game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it looks like, but you put in some real time to make it user-friendly, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, after after that initial, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll actually make some type of level editor. I just wanted to have it so that it was... Uh, it was, or actually, it wasn't like a in-game level editor. It was just a level editor inside of the Unity editor. Mm-hmm. So I was able mm-hmm. to adjust values more simply, rather than me having to make variables and then go into the things and then doing all this other stuff that right. is extremely tedious and uh, time-consuming. Especially when I wanted to test something. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. then I'd be like, "Oh, I'll do this." And especially in Unity, Unity I'll say, yeah. "Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah." Uh, because the time between me pressing the play button, waiting, then going into the game, and then actually testing the thing, and then realizing, oh, I forgot to change this variable or save this or whatever, <laughs> and then pressing the pause button, and then oh. going back, and then be like, okay, I changed it, and then doing that, like that entire process was, uh, it was, yeah, that it was really quick. Where I was like, yeah, I have to make some type of editor in some form, uh, shape, or form, mm-hmm. uh, especially for like some eventually it'll be like live updates so that I can just like press the start button and now I'm in mm-hmm. uh, that. That was the one thing that uh, maybe five levels in, I was like, yeah, I'm, I desire that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So the level editor didn't start out. I mean, it, it didn't start out like a fully le- a fleshed out level editor that, that like any player could use. Right. Like it's, Oh no. You, the way you were describing it, it sounded like you used the unity editor to edit values, but eventually it, morphed into something that was more palpable for the, the average player. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'd say, like, uh, again, it, it's rough estimates, but, like, maybe 10 levels in, I was, mm-hmm. at that point, I was saying, like, yeah, maybe I should adapt this to be something that people can actually play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and have it so that, like, oh, yeah, uh, if I, or if you want to uh, use this stuff you'll have the exact same tools that I have because that's something that in games I've always uh, really respected and appreciated is if I basically had the same tools as the developer when making things like um, yeah. Little Big Planet is a famous one where it's mm-hmm. you know, like yes the tools that you are using we are using in order mm-hmm. to make our levels and custom stuff mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. like for like dreams um, and media molecule yeah um uh, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to make sure that that is something that is uh, apparent and I uh, adhere to those uh, those guidelines and principles. And then uh, 
at that point i was like okay i'll work on making this uh a little bit more user-friendly than what i started out with because it was very much this i am the only person that will be able to use this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um and too reflective of charles brain (laughs) yeah i don't know whether or not i've uh, fully succeeded in that but um uh, it is a lot better from where it was from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, w- I really wanted to make sure that whatever I could do in HyperDot, you can do in yeah. your own levels. And things. Um, Charles, I'm not sure if you can characterize it this way, but uh, and this is really something I'd only ever ask someone to do in hindsight because anything else would just be a complete fiction. But how, like, what percentage of the features that you started, like, how do I describe this? What percentage of the features that ended up in the level editor when you released were in your first iteration, the one that you made for yourself? Um, maybe 60%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you did a few more iterations maybe for yourself along the way. And then a big chunk of that was polishing it up for players. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Um, when I first started out, uh, actually, as I built out the level letter and I like added more polish slash ease of use for people to uh, do things with it, uh, like opened up a lot of uh, game design things that I did not see um, from before because it was a lot of me like discovering. Oh, if I add in the like um, these things called spawner groups uh, that allow you to shoot out a bunch of uh, enemies at once, and you can uh, it'll just like automatically place all the 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 enemies and around the arena for you uh me adding in that feature opened the door to like 40 levels of mm-hmm. me just mm-hmm. being like oh i want to just mess around with this thing um, awesome. because i i really enjoy doing that um and so yeah like every time that i would uh add in new like quality of life things or like something that would make it easier for somebody else to be able to jump in uh and play with the level editor it also just like opened the door for me as well, personally, where you like one of the things that I took for granted throughout almost the entire de- development of uh, HyperDot until maybe the very, very end is copy paste. And that oh, is yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, that is something that you you don't normally think about. Oh, yeah. Copy paste. I didn't have copy paste in uh, the level editor. And then when I did have copy paste, it was a little rudimentary uh, where it was just like, literally copy this enemy and paste it. And then uh, if I wanted to change any of the specific values, I'd have to go in like one at a time and change those specific values inside of that enemy. But like copying just one part of a, like an enemy, just like say, I want this enemy to shoot like five times a second or whatever. Um, and then just being able to paste that on whatever enemy mm-hmm. uh, and just have that there, that, just like that also opened the door to so many different things because I was just uh, I was so worried like oh well I've made like 50 different enemies I don't have to go into each 50 like all 50 enemies and change this value and I'll just I'll just not or like uh, this this level's not working out and stuff like that but like just being able to be like all right copy and then just paste on all of yeah. these things and it was just out it would just work yeah it's it uh, it gives you like the freedom and the flexibility to be able to uh, make levels that you're uh, that you would otherwise not want to uh, do because it's too tedious. Yeah, and it's it speeds up the process too, right? It allows you to experiment yeah. 
more frequently as a result of that. Not just you as a developer, but just like, you know, as a player, you could mm-hmm. copy an enemy that you thought was cool and then like paste it on the other levels and stuff if you wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the probably the the coolest thing is like just being able to pl- press the start button at any point mm-hmm. during the editor and mm-hmm. the, just to be like, all right, I'm testing this now. Like that is the that is really good for iteration. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's if listeners are hearing your copy paste Eureka and are like, well, duh. Every developer will find themselves in a place where they'll get themselves into a workflow they understand. Yeah, and not and not realize how slow it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and then and then suddenly when you when you and because putting in the work to make it faster means you have to learn learn a new set of habits, but also the development time to to improve or completely modify your workflow doesn't always seem worth it when you're in the middle of making stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as soon as you do, you immediately are like, why didn't I do this months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is so great and amazing. Yeah. And I wasted so much time, but you do, you always, you always wait too long right. before you get that point. I mean, maybe it's the right time. Maybe that's the point at which you finally are like, well, okay, now I've, 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 I've solidified a lot of this workflow. Now let me automate it, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe prior to that, it might you might be, uh, um, you know, penning yourself in or whatever. But like, then every time you describe how it works to somebody else, it's like, well, that seems really obvious, but it's only in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they're not working in the same. They're not get, a, a player who's creating a level doesn't have the same relationship with the game as the developer, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And the same, not the same relationship whatsoever as like the history of the game's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, we we did, I don't know if we would call it a level editor in Widget Satchel. I mean, it was internal tools only, but uh, yeah. it was, I built level editing tools for the rest of you. Yes. Right. Sure. Right. I guess well, the, only, the only reason I bring it up is like to segue into a different topic, which is like, the the experience I had with that was that it made it really a lot easier to get ideas in the head in my head and then quickly get them out into the game world, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is kind of what you were describing, Charles. Like you had these new features in the level level editor, and then all of a sudden it like opened your mind up to be to making dozens more levels around these certain new features because you could free up some of your brain to think about the creation rather than the technicalities of it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting flip side of that is. Like your level editor is constrained by the world of the game that you have created and the rules therein. And yeah. that constraint can also be like actually a catalyst for creativity. Cause if you have like no rules, then it's difficult to like think of new things. If you have a limited set of rules and, and specific constraints, sometimes it's easier to be creative because those rules push you in new ways. And I can kind of hear both sides of that story coming out in the way that you're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it's really interesting to see, uh, especially now that the game's out and like being able to see like uh, uh, people's like clips of their levels that they made and and stuff like that. It's interesting to see the variety of uh, ways that people like messed around or interpreted some of the tools uh, that I I put in there where it's like, oh, yeah, I never would have thought to do that. Uh, I actually saw somebody... uh, posted somebody posted a custom level that they made on uh, steam um and i was like oh yeah i'll try i'll check this out and uh the level was basically designed around collecting slow power-ups which would slow down time Mm -hmm. um and the entire or the entire point was you need to continue to collect these slow power-ups 
or else when uh, you run out, then everything will go in like full speed, but everything's at hyperspeed. Yeah. So, like yeah. you have to, you'd have to like, like you'd have to balance. Okay. I have to go for these slow power ups, but I also need to get these tokens uh, mm. and, and things like that. So it was like a super like, wow, that's, that's super cool. And I didn't, I never like thought of doing that. Uh, myself and it's like really gratifying to see mm-hmm. uh, people take those kind of uh, take the tools that I, I made and provided and then yeah, seeing those constraints and seeing all of the different variables and then yeah tweaking it to be like oh yes here's a interesting spin on uh, one of the one of the, the power ups that I had yeah like seeing somebody make something like that I mean A they put in the time they obviously like the game that's got to be really gratifying but also like those mechanics work they understand the game like at a really fundamental level and that's got to be pretty cool too yeah no it's that's uh it's always like a really humbling experience just to see like the the people that like reach out and be like oh yeah i really enjoyed this and then or just like seeing pictures or clips of people doing crazy things inside of the level editor or 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 even just playing the game in general it's it's really humbling (laughs) that's true actually we didn't talk about that but like Hyperdot now has over two hundred thousand players. Like over yeah. two hundred thousand people have played the game, which is yeah. big. So over two hundred thousand people have seen potentially seen the um, your level editor and stuff. Yeah, there is an achievement tied to it, so there's a uh-huh. high chance that people just went in there just to get that achievement. That was the point. <laughs> well, that's a good question, actually, because like I'll, I think there's not a ton of games that have level editors, but I think there are a decent amount that have level editors, but like, there's no uh, reason for a player to engage with it. Um, and I know that you, I mean, I guess you added an achievement to get people to even open up the menu, but like, uh, uh, are there other ways to convince people to even attempt designing a level in your game? Uh, yeah. So there are, there are actually two different achievements, uh, that are associated with that. So there's literally create any level. It doesn't, you can just say, go in there, save and then you'd win (laughs) you get that achievement (laughs) um and then there's another one uh where you need to add four modifiers to your level um and that one or that one in particular is more like uh actually no there's three because there's also another one um where uh you need to make three waves uh in your level editor which is also really easy if you just go into enemies and then tap add wave three times and then (laughs) save you you did it um, but it's just to encourage you to, uh, like, oh, there's a level editor. I want to look and check this out, um, kind of thing versus, yeah, versus, yeah, just having something where it's like, oh, yes, there's a level editor. Uh, we, it's not really, um, at, like a part of anything or it's not really like promoted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually one of the three things that, uh, like when I was making the game and then I decided to add in a, level editor in game uh for the players is that that became the third pillar of what hyperdot is so it oh. has uh hyperdot has single player multiplayer and then level editor mm-hmm. and then like all of like all three of these things like are kind of interweaved and interwoven between each other uh in some way shape or form but the level mm-hmm. editor kind of t- ties it all together because you can make your own uh, single player levels or multiplayer levels that you can play with your friends Right. Uh, and stuff like that um so yeah there's i i wanted to encourage just like experimentation through the the achievements and then hopefully through that they were uh they were able to be like oh 
maybe I can make a crazy level for multiplayer when uh, people or like friends come over or something like that. Or at, mm-hmm. we're at a, like a party and it's like, oh, can you survive this challenge? Or I don't know. So, yeah. That makes me want to make a hyperdot level that trials can't beat. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I was like, yay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like it's like one one thing I really like about what level editors can do is it can open up the idea of level design to players who haven't ever really thought about game dev tools as a thing you can even experiment with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's so that's like something that's really great about like these kinds of things. Um, yeah, yeah, I was definitely influenced by a bunch of uh, level editors slash um, uh, create a level or stage or map or whatever yeah. and a ton of like ga- uh, different games like little big planet is uh one of my favorite um favorite franchises because it's just like the the tools especially a uh, little big planet 2 was the one that really hit me um but like the tools and the creativity of like some of the people in that community are just amazing and phenomenal where i would spend hours and hours trying to uh like create whatever levels i want um and things like that or like mod nation racers um where i'd make odd like i'd spend again hours working on these cool characters and then making this odd like this track that i'm super proud of and, and then being able to uh being able to like see that and then uh in particular with like a little bit planet and mod nation uh, yeah. I, w- I was able to share that but like even before then um there's a uh ps2 hidden gem i don't know if it was a gem but uh of hsx or hypersonic extreme which is like a, a futuristic racer um but the level editor in that was insane uh especially for the time where you're able to make all sorts of different levels and all sorts of different things you can place all these uh buildings and track designs you can do splits and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and um like getting a bunch of like influence from that uh has been uh phenomenal in terms of like oh yeah these are some of the things that i would want in a level editor uh for like for hyperdot um because you know i've played uh all of these other games that have level editors in it or have uh uh, enjoyed a lot of those kind of things yeah i i I, but one thing i want to know about more because we you asked me about this a lot while you were developing the game anyways is like what you could do to make people um, more interested in like pursuing creation of a level. Hmm. That makes sense. Because like I remember we were asking, we, we were talking about like Super Mario Maker and Super Mario Maker Two, um, and like how that makes making a Mario level very approachable. Because like you easily can just paste blocks everywhere and do random things. Um, hmm. And like I think you were talked about like Hyperdot feeling like it was like menus within menus and it felt yeah. more difficult to get into. Um yeah. did you end up doing anything to make that easier for people? Uh from where I was when I was talking to you about that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um okay. I still I still think that I didn't quite hit that mark. Um okay. where it was like, Oh yes, the uh if you just go into the level editor, you're gonna be able to make whatever you want from your wildest dreams or, or yeah. whatever. Uh uh, I think that yeah, it's still there's like a a slight barrier to entry because the the level editor gets pretty detailed um, right. and stuff. And I feel like um, things like Mario Maker, it makes it really easy to make 
and finish a level uh, without having to uh, be, or I guess this is kind of uh, similar to what Ellen was talking about. There's a lot of like limitations in it. There's okay. uh, it's a big, it's a grid based level editor. So yeah. you already are uh, getting by without having to worry about like, Oh, okay. You need like specific coordinates and, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or moving in like a 3d environment um, mm-hmm. or, and things like that. So that, that is super helpful. Um, and then, like, yeah, the interface of, uh, particularly, I guess, Mario Maker 1, yeah. um, of just, like, tapping the screen, and then you, wherever you tapped, you made ground. And then you're like, oh, cool. And then you click, here's a Koopa. Drag the Koopa, and then tap on the uh, tap on the screen, and then that works. It's purely visual creation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Like, you can have things interact with it in a way that sort of feels like you're programming behavior. But the only mm-hmm. way you can really do that is by placing things in places. Right. Yes. And uh, even Little yes. Big Planet is like that too, where Little Big Planet has a remarkable set of programming tools. And Dreams yeah. as well. Dreams is probably loses the thread a little bit because of how in depth and complicated it is. But with Little Big Planet, you everything was stitched together, like using their metaphors, mm-hmm. even. Like you can have um, you know, uh like when you had a sensor, you had you dragged a string to the thing that it interacted with. And so Mm -hmm. it really was like playing with toys, playing with Legos, putting things together, even though you are programming complex behaviors. Whereas with Mm -hmm. HyperDot, because everything's happening on stage and the way all levels work is that enemies enter the stage. That is the central Mm -hmm. metaphor of time in HyperDot. It's less about drawing and more about writing, right? Mm -hmm. You're creating a sequencer. And so it's a little harder to represent that visually, right? Yeah, definitely. And there's definitely ways to uh, get around that. That uh, uh, now, in retrospect, I'm able to be like, okay, this these uh, kind of things would would have probably worked um, and stuff like that. Where uh, because I support so many different um, input devices, uh, that was also another thing. So, mm-hmm. like, how do I have this interface work well with a controller and a mouse and uh, whatever have you that I use uh, uh, that day? It's just trying to like find that balance and be like okay yeah i want to have this be super uh flexible and be super uh, like be able to create everything that i have made so far um but then also be approachable so that if you had like i have this crazy idea what if i did blah um and you normally don't mess with level editors like are you able to do that mm-hmm. um and again i'm not entirely sure if i uh hit that on the mark but yeah like what you're talking about uh with like i'm making it more of a sequencer than um like a blank ca- uh, canvas mm-hmm. um i think that that is like that was probably the one of my biggest things that i had to figure out is like how do i uh especially after i got the, the like the live preview of what you're actually doing uh in real time um like how do i show you the like timing and and things like that within the level editor um and make it so that it's like oh okay i understand um timing and and things like that but mm-hmm. i also had to balance um doing level editor stuff with the rest of the game as well right, um, right. which is part of the reason why i was like oh maybe i can make like a simplified mode or or something like that but like that's extra additional time right yeah <laughs> right it was almost easier to give players all the tools you had than to give them just the few tools you knew they'd understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately you have to kind of, you do have to accept that like, it's not going to be as intuitive as gameplay. 
And yeah. but you have to trust that a player who just who enters your level editor is up for that. Yeah, right. Definitely. But definitely. You, but you you never know, right? You you like you did ask for a lot of feedback in that process, and I think that reflects a very honest, um, a very common uh, feeling, which is like I don't know if this will work, and <laughs> and there's almost yeah. nothing that can prove to me that it will. Yeah, yeah, especially with like the level editor, um, because the level editor is really a it is a feature that is for people who are familiar with HyperDot already or who have played HyperDot and are somewhat experienced with HyperDot. Um, and that is like in stark contrast to single player and multiplayer where I can just set you down in front of single player and say go. And then within the first uh, 10 seconds, you'll understand 80% of the game. Yeah. Um, you might have died already. <laughs> yeah, you might have died already. <laughs> but that'll help like, you understand. Oh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, I should probably not touch that. Um, so yeah, and it's really like intuitive, but it's really hard. Or it was especially trying to get like playtest and uh, people trying out the uh, level editor. It was really hard to get people to be able like, okay, so I, I want you to try out this level editor. I'm looking for like some more in-depth feedback uh, from the level editor and um, just being like, okay, here's the level editor uh go at it i've i did let like like twice mm-hmm. where i was just uh it was at a play test event and i was like oh yeah go at it and i didn't really get that much valuable information out of, at it because it was coming from people who jumped straight into the level editor and did not play and had no idea mm-hmm. what hyperdot was right, yeah. right um so it was harder to be like oh yes i understand how <laughs> these squares and these triangles work and you can uh, make a level editor. Even you can make a level editor that does that, that is approachable at first jump. But that's not what you wanted to make, right? Yeah, that wasn't yeah. in service of the goal of your level editor. Yeah, especially because I was trying to uh, uh, kill two birds with one stone. Where I was like, oh yes, I want to also have a like full featured uh, level editor, mm-hmm. and then I want to have a level editor inside of the game uh, that people can play. Yeah. And the three points of a triangle where I'm like, okay, I want a full feature level editor. I want to have all the levels in it. And then I want simplicity. The Jeez. iron triangle. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and like, it didn't really even occur to me until later where I was like, oh yes, there's that third point of uh, making it so simple that like literally anybody can just like jump in and make whatever they want. Hyperdot has such elegant, design is one of the reasons i like the game so much is because of its elegance i'm just attracted to anything like that like i see elegance in like the mathematical sense you know where it's like this is the thing it's the thing it needs to be there's nothing extra it's right there and it works and it's perfect exactly the way that it is um but the level editor for sure like it needs to build on that like experience of the elegance i think for it to work and that's i don't know where i was going with that except for i See what you're saying. It's not something that people could just jump into. But I, I, I know where I was headed with this. Here we go. I got it back. <laughs> um, well, like uh, it, it's because, like you were saying, Mark, the gameplay is really based around time, mm-hmm. and it's not based around the very intuitive sense of like motion and physicality that I think, like you were saying, Little Big Planet is, or like. You know, lots of other level level editors and lots of games in general that's built on this intuitive sense of the mechanics of motion. Um, mm. But the mechanics of time are weird and a little squidgy mm-hmm. and not as I think not as intuitive to to engage with. So it makes sense that you need to kind of like 
train your mind in that space before you would feel confident as a player slash creator to make progress in a sandbox, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm putting a lot of emphasis on the level design on you know, within Hyperdot versus just like uh, the outright mechanics because, you know, the main mechanic is move. Um, so it's not like or a lot of like the cool and interesting and like clever things that you can do is really based on the level design of the, the game. Um, so you have to mess around and play with uh, all the different variables and like see all these different angles within the level editor or within like all the things that you have available in the level editor. And then at that point, you'd be able to be like, okay, now I feel confident enough to make whatever I want to make in it. Um, but yeah, it's not as uh, like simple uh, to understand uh, as just like move out of the way of shapes and, and <laughs> things like that. Uh, so I know that like you made it, you made your level editor specifically built so that you can make a level that anybody else could make as well. Um, is the developer. Um, but do, I mean, I guess, would you recommend that as a, a strategy for other people who wanted to make a level editor accessible to a player? And like, would that be, yeah, I guess, would that be something that, um, or are there other things that you would like want to remove just to make it sim more simple for people to like make levels? I guess you would talk about like a simple mode for yeah. level editor. Um, yeah, having, or especially if you want to uh, have the level editor be more accessible to people, um, just yeah, having like a, simplified version of that because yeah having all the different variables and parameters and things showing on the screen is a little intimidating um but yeah having like a an easier to understand slash follow or like easier to just do things in uh version of the level editor uh would be is one way of doing that uh, i know uh the trials series uh they had a uh, like i i'm most familiar i guess i'm really familiar with almost all of them but uh the trials fusion uh, level mm. editor there was like here's simple mode and then here's advanced mode um and in simple mode you're just on the the track that you made and then that's it you're not moving around you're not doing all these crazy things there's not as much uh things being shown to you at the same time and, and stuff like that it's okay. still fairly advanced um in terms of level editor on the level editor spectrum it's still fairly advanced but uh it is it is good to even just use that as like, okay, I have a skeleton idea of what I want to do. I'll use the simple mode to do this. And then when you want to get into the nitty gritty, that's when you switch over to uh, the advanced mode and mm -hmm. go in there and do all the logic craziness and, and go off the track and, you know, do all your cool aesthetic things and stuff like that. Right. I like the way people emphasize aesthetic. <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah. As <laughs> you know, it, uh, it's interesting because uh, Hyperdive, as you described the level editor, it was a, it was it became uh, the third mode of the game fairly late in mm -hmm. production, and so you you didn't do what some games do that focus on a level editor, which is design the game around the usability of the editor, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, um, you, I think you probably got away with it, uh, not have not having to constrain your mechanics or your systems by what could be easily taught in the editor. I think, you know, I think, I think right. you, you rose to meet the demands that you inadvertently set for the editor. But I think a lot of times when you're thinking of it earlier in the process, you can incorporate it more directly into 
the ultimate shape of the game. So you, you, the features you come up with are features that you would only approve for design or for production if you can also workshop an elegant way to teach it in the editor. Mm-hmm. That said, that approach can limit what your creativity is because you're like afraid that you won't be able to explain it properly. But yeah. maybe if you just hammer away at it, you will be. So there's not a, there's no right answer to how you approach it. Like with all things in games, you can do it in any order. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting the way you did it was you the challenges you faced came from the fact that the level editor was the last big part to be d- designed in a game design sense. Whereas if you had if, if you knew from jump this game's going to have a level editor, then you're cha- you might have had a different set of challenges as you approached the end of development. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's, yeah, it's definitely really interesting to see like uh, games like Mario Maker or Level Head or uh, Little Big Planet, like games that have the level editor being the central focus of the game. Like it is known by its level editor. Mm-hmm. Um, those, yeah, they intrinsically, they're like at parity with the, uh, each other. Like this is the game and then the level ed- uh, editor is the crux around it. Um and then there's other there are other games uh, like uh, Cluster Truck um, that have a letter, level editor, but it was something that was uh, it what it's definitely not as emphasized or it's not as uh, like this is the reason why you play Cluster Truck mm-hmm. so you can make it's a level. bonus. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like a bonus kind of thing. So um, there's a lot of uh, like trying to find that push and pull of like okay. Uh, how much do I want to emphasize on these things? How much do I want to be like, well, if I can't explain this to somebody uh, in the level editor, how do you, uh, should I include this in the game or mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that? And yeah, it's totally, uh, uh, like you said, it's totally, it would change how I would have approached doing the level editor if I didn't, uh, if I did start out with like saying, okay, right at the beginning, I'm going to have a level, ed- level editor and it's going to be uh, the definitive third pillar of this game like people are going to go to this game because of the level editor mm-hmm. um and because it's like the third pillar uh but that came out yeah as you said later um it was more yeah like rising to that yeah. to that to get to uh that third pillar status mm-hmm. or at least a bullet point on the, <laughs> the back of the box right, right. <laughs> i think about like about mario maker and how um it is fairly robust, even the first version mm-hmm. of the first Mario Maker. But oh, you, yeah. you could tell that they purposely limited some of the tools they gave to players because the level editor was the main thing. And they would add it later once the user base became the, the, uh, the diehards. And suddenly, yeah. suddenly you could do more complicated setups with doors and keys and locks and different yeah. things. Because, um, but it, so it is different, right? And so you end up having definitely, yeah, you know, the, and yeah, the alternate is to have like confusing things in the level editor, but more robust gameplay. And so there's not there's not a right way. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really fascinating that you brought that up because, like, I think that Super Mario Maker, uh, the specifically, like, you could tell the difference between like the first game and the second game in how they added more complexity to things, and I think part of it is just they figured out a way to visually represent that in the creation tool yeah. of Super Mario Maker. Like, the, the thing I always think about is the um, the ramps. Like, there aren't any ramps in the first game. Um, but they added it in the second game, and I think they just figured out how to do it. But the way that they it's done, I'm not personally super satisfied with, in that, like, you have, you, like, extend it 
it, there's a limit to like how you actually create the ramp and like where it can go. Yeah. Due to how they, I think due to how they represented it on the, in the, in the creation tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it, I think it made things more, uh, I guess it, it, it has, it limited what option it, like you were saying, I guess it limited options that they were allowing people to create, um, in super Mario maker because like they didn't, they didn't develop this uh, a visual way to represent this in the tool. Right, right. Um, Another example I could think of is like the um, the moving platforms, the ones made out of skulls. There's two yeah. types, fast and slow. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. Yeah. players can build mechanics around those two speeds, and that's enough right. complexity. But yeah. in mm-hmm. proper Mario games, you can make those things move as fast as you want them to, as fast as the level yeah. designer wants. And the player isn't necessarily handicapped by not knowing how fast it's going to move when they jump on it. So it's not one of those things that requires clarity as a player. But when you're designing a level in a level editor tool, you two options, fast and slow. And that's the compromise yeah, yeah. they made. And that and even though they add more complicated things, I think that's still the way it is in Mario Maker 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you always got to think about that. Like what, you can, like what value versus what troubles will you have by adding yeah. a feature? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's worth it and what isn't, right? Yeah, more features, more it, more features doesn't necessarily mean more fun. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot a rubber band at the wall. <laughs> I think that's fun. So, you know who's a cool person? No, I do. Okay, there are actually lots of cool people. There are a lot of cool people. They're on this show, but also Dale is a really cool person. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the reasons Dale is cool is because Dale is like creme de la creme of twitter content curator the the tweets that she puts out on the nice games club twitter feed are very entertaining and very valuable chef's kiss (laughs) yeah i feel like she probably does that like after she sends out a tweet she picks up her phone (laughs) and she holds it and she like wafts it she says oh it's a nice bouquet yes Here's an example about a review for Widget Satchel, and it was so heartwarming. It was wonderful to read it. Um, It said, and this was Phoenix Sims, this was a little different from the games I usually review or seek out, and I loved how it pushed my gaming boundaries. Helps sharpen my critical thinking as well. Those are the kind of tweets you get. The kind of tweets about broadening your horizons. Also sometimes about cats. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's a lot of fun about cats yeah fair warning there's gonna be a lot of those of course yeah <laughs> valuable cat valuable internet cat content so how can people get this uh lovely lovely content in front of their faces well the best way to do it would be to go onto twitter and find the nice games club twitter feed that dale is responsible for and that is at nice games club so follow us and at us and retweet stuff it's a fun time. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask like what each of our favorite level editors in games would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easy answer would be like Super Mario Maker, and I guess you can answer that if you want. But ooh, pick me first because I can answer that, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't have to think very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? First? Yeah, I'll talk about okay, it. I mean, there's other examples, but that one is uh, great. Um, and like one of the things that I, I think I've talked about this on the show before when we've talked about um a dreams or about uh Super Mario Maker is that yeah. I will get really, really deep in to a level editor, a game that's a level editor, right? And it's because I'm a game designer and I want to build those things. And then I quickly am like, wait, I could use this time for something of my own, probably. Yeah. So I never get that far. I never spend a lot of time. I never get to join the upper echelons of the creators in these spaces, which I'm always very jealous of those people who can like just make mountains of amazing content. Um, because it's it's all very genius and it's a good learning tool if you're a game designer. But Mario Maker is one where it wasn't just about making the thing and like the normal sort of satisfaction I get from building something. It it was it's fun to play as a game. And I don't mean the playing part. I mean, the making levels part is just fun. It's fun like drawing is fun. And that's yeah. not something I felt with Little Big Planet, for example, which was much more about carefully aligning all these cute little elements. Um, and, and it was still very satisfying, but much more in the same way that when I work on my own projects is creatively fulfilling and satisfying with Mario maker, it's kind of fun just to goof around in there. And I think that it's a nice, it's a great, great balance because you get that same satisfaction of sort of, 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 uh, building something, making something that creativity, but also it's just kind of a joy to use. Uh, even when it's kind of like frustrating or weird, like you're kind of half broken, you're like, eh. I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I think that that is a, it's a rare thing. And it's really, it was really yeah. cool to see. Is that the first one or the second? Uh, I will say <laughs> I liked the first one because I really enjoyed using the Wii U. Uh, oh, yeah, style. that's very true. Um, I had, a, I got used to it, but it was much harder um, uh, to, to use the Switch for that purpose. Right. Even when, even using like a, a capacitive stylus. Um, it just yeah. wasn't, it just wasn't as good, frankly. I, yeah, I would agree with that. It's kind of, yeah, cause that, that's a hardware limitation. They needed to port it to the switch cause not a lot of people had Wii U's, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, but you definitely lost something like the Wii U was uh, like kind of the perfect system for that kind of a game. Yeah. 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 And, yeah considering yeah, how switch. much better ultimately Super Mario Maker 2 is, it's amazing mm-hmm. how close it feels to the first one because of that yeah. advantage the Wii U hardware had. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's very true. I, I guess I'll go next. <laughs> uh, I'm going to also cheat and su- suggest Dreams as my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Specifically, not because, uh, I mean, arguably, like, it's not even a level ever. It's a game creator. Um, and that's why I like it. Because, like, it allows, I think it makes game development more accessible for people. It basically it allows people to make games on a console, which is unheard of. Yeah. Well, it's not unheard of. There are there are a few things that have like what was it? The Kodu uh, Kodu Game Lab uh, yeah, Project Kodu Spark. Game Lab and Project Spark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is the best one of those of the console game creator things. Oh yeah. Um and like I think that I think that's an amazing thing because like it allows people without fancy hardware they just have a ps4 and they just happen to do it because they wanted to play horizon zero dawn or whatever they mm-hmm. can make games on the side um and i think that's like a beautiful thing for people and like there's a lot of creative things coming out of it 
there are some less creative things because a lot of it is just um i made spongebob right uh, right it's very out, but <laughs> very uh lots of fan art which is what happens yeah. when you make give tools to everybody is right. people are but just honestly, inspired by things they like but honestly that's good too a lot of people start out mm-hmm. um their art careers making fan art of spongebob <laughs> so like <laughs> specifically yeah 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 you don't, you don't find dreams a little bit too open-ended i mean it's basically just unity more or less I, well yeah it's well i mean right that's kind of why i was saying it's cheating because like you're not really it's not a game so much dreams is really a game engine yeah it's mm-hmm. unity it is literally right like right unity which is itself way. incredibly valuable that it is that yeah. open-ended but yeah. it does lose something. It's probably it's harder for some people to get into. Probably, probably some oh. of the people who it's targeted at. Um, yeah. Fewer constraints. Yeah, it's fewer constraints. You literally can build whatever you want in it. Um, and so, like that, because it's an it. I mean, it's a game engine. And so, like, mm-hmm. but that's also why people had a hard time understanding what Dreams was. Mm-hmm. Part of it was just like they didn't describe it in the marketing. They were just like, "This is Dreams," and they don't <laughs> describe what Dreams is. Yeah, yeah. They just showed what people made in it. Um, but like. Yeah, it's hard to describe it because, like, it's literally just a game you make games with. Um, but I, I think that I think that it making something. I think that people being able to like see what it's like to develop a game and it being so accessible or marketed in a way that makes it feel like it's a game is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, like, in a few years, I hope to see some of the people who are making dreams games either be able to like uh, show those games off outside of the PS4. Um, Cause we're moving on to the next gen soon anyways. Um, or see them uh, move on to uh, a new, a, a game engine where like they can uh, build games for other consoles or PC yeah, uh, yeah. or Mac or whatever. Um, Cause I'm really excited to see like those kind of creators go, I started in dreams, but now look at me. You know, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, there's other things that have that that uh, history. So Flash is one of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, something where um, you got, you didn't set out to make games exactly. And but yeah. then you develop the skills to do it. I think the real question is going to be, are people who are really, really get into dreams? Um, are they going to be um, uh, burdened by all the specifics of building in that engine? In a way that can happen to people using Unreal or Unity or Flash or right. something where right. you you become so specifically talented or or oriented towards the skills you need for that tool, and and let it becomes less about or you're less aware of the lessons you're learning as a game designer. Um, hopefully for Dreams that will not be the case, but I do wonder who who in that cohort of people making astounding pieces of work will graduate from there. Right. I guess like what I would like to see ideally from that, honestly, is to just allow people who don't have dreams to be able to play games made in dreams. Yeah. Cause then like, mm-hmm. you don't have to learn a new tool if you don't want to. Not that like, it's not the, it's a good thing to learn more multiple tools, multiple engines, but mm-hmm. that would be really good. And I feel like that's kind of the, that is the missing piece to make it a game engine, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's, I don't. I think you're right. It doesn't really feel like a level editor because it doesn't have the constraints that a level would. Like a level is constrained by the rules of the game in which it sits, and Dreams doesn't have that. But it's also not something where you can like take your your game made in Dreams and put it on the Switch. So it's not really a game. 
it's weird, which probably was contributed to why it's hard to market. Right. That's very true. Um, mine's really quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't done a lot of level editing and now I'm very inspired by this conversation to go start doing some doodling. But I had to kind of dig way back into my into my early years when I was first starting to get into games. And I didn't have a game. I didn't have any game consoles or anything in my house. We had like the computer and we had some computer games. But whenever I'd go visit my friend, Joe, who lived up by my grandpa, I would go, go over and we would play the Nintendo and Super Nintendo and the computer. And we'd play everything just for hours and hours and hours. And he he played StarCraft. And if I remember correctly, there was a level editor in StarCraft. Uh, I think so, yeah. Right, yeah. And that's actually the thing that got me into game, like to games in general, was playing (laughs) games with him, but also like in with the computer games, the interface was so different. I was really struggling to get a handle on how StarCraft worked. And the way that I started to learn it was actually by skipping over the entire campaign, like going into the level editor and be like, okay, what happens when this does this? What happens oh. when this does this? Ah. And like sandboxing out the logic a little bit to understand what the different units did. And then I returned to the game and actually played it. And I, I think that's, that was a, I didn't realize it until this very conversation because I haven't thought about it in such a long time, but that was actually like a pretty defining, like that was an experience that really defined my relationship with games going forward because that kind of experimentation is something I seek out immediately with any game that I play. Yeah. So wow. that's fascinating too, because like I didn't, we didn't, I didn't think about it level editors in that way, but like it allows you to experiment with the design of things so that like you can better understand how to complete the game. Yeah. The game. You can understand the idiosyncrasies of all of the different parts. Um, yeah. And allows you to like experiment with different combinations that like the developer might already have done in the game. And mm-hmm. you can use that as knowledge to help you complete levels. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, think I went about it that like systematically when I was sure. what seven yeah, yeah. or eight or I don't even remember. But, but yeah, it's I think that's that's a that's an interesting dynamic between the yeah. level editor and the game itself that I think is like I think it might speak a lot towards the way that like Hyperdot the relationship between the level editor and hyperdot like you talk about it in a way that's so integrated charles and i feel like that's that's i don't know it resonates a little bit more with me mm-hmm. sure no yeah that makes a lot of sense especially um i've actually seen people like go in and then uh try out like oh what are these uh stars all about i don't understand them uh, and then they just like put in stars and they're like oh that's what stars are all about uh oh, and then like okay. um they like uh, I haven't seen like the super nitty gritty of people like going in and messing with parameters and being like, oh, that's the reason why this level was designed this way. Um, but uh, I've definitely seen like people go in and, and be like, oh, yes, I'll make a level completely out of one enemy type or uh, or or even in the, the free play mode and then just like change the the modifiers to be, oh, this one specific thing so I can understand how this works. Uh, yeah, th- that that's awesome that that has happened with you and it was such a defining moment. Yeah. I just can't believe I haven't thought about it in so many years. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, you're up. You can't say hyper that. Oh no. <laughs> Good. I mean, I can go hours on with level editors, but okay. So I've mentioned a couple, uh, one, probably my favorite one 
is Mod Nation Racers. Oh, okay. I would, I would, I think that that's probably my favorite. That's the one that it has all like it has three different editors in it. It has a character creator, it has a uh, vehicle creator, and then it has a track editor. Mm-hmm. And like, I spent so much time in all of those things. I was, I was like waiting and waiting for that game to come out. I kept on looking at the E3 trailer. I kept, I was just like, this is all I want in life. And then I played it and then I love it. And if my, if the PS3 worked today, I'd still be playing it because <laughs> it's so good. It's just that the load times are really, really long. Yeah. That's one that didn't get a lot of success, right? It was meant to be in the, in the uh, Sony branded it alongside little big planet. It wasn't made by the same people, yeah. but like, as part of it, it's like we're gonna make a whole genre of creation games. Yeah, the play, create, share. Yeah, it didn't do good, right? Yeah, it didn't do. It did okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't do the greatest, uh, and that's when uh, United Front Games moved on to uh, make Sleeping Dogs, which is a totally different game. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, moved on and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, um, Mod Nation Racers is like up there as one of my favorite level editors. Um, uh, another one that is like I really always have enjoyed the concept of uh, is Trackmania mm-hmm. uh, in the Trackmania series, um, which is a racing series that is uh, very like structured around the fact that you can make your own levels and all this other stuff. But in some of the earlier Trackmanias, one there is this particular a particular mode uh, called Puzzle Mode where. Um, instead of just racing or instead of just doing a level editor, uh, there was a mode where you'd have a certain uh, amount of like types of puzzle pieces. And then you had to either complete or design a track that fulfilled a set of parameters uh, and stuff. So like there's already a finish line, a starting line, and then one checkpoint. And then you'd have to design a level that will allow you to get to the checkpoint and then get to the finish line within a certain amount of time uh, and stuff like that. And like, I've always, I've really been super into like that puzzle mode uh, aspect and things like that, which is like something that I, I would love to figure out how to like even recreate for like HyperDot. That would be, that would be awesome mm. uh, to do. And then I guess a quick shout out to uh, the uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 level. <laughs> yeah. really I forgot that, that existed. Oh, uh, it was so good. Uh, another quick shout out to uh, what you called Mega Man Powered Up because then I always uh, force my brother to play my levels. <laughs> Did he beat them? Uh, not all of them, no. <laughs> Probably got bored partly through. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. This is getting fierce. He's, he's a younger man. He didn't know what he was doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe we should shut this down before it gets serious. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, Charles, from what from what I am told, you are also on Twitter. Yes, I am on Twitter. All right. No, you say your handle. I could. We practiced earlier. I know I can say it, but (laughs) I'm yes, but I'd like to know to see you do. Oh, okay. um, (laughs) It's all good. Uh, So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at Darkhaze TG, uh, or you can uh, follow tr- at Tribe Games uh, for updates on Hyperdot and the like. Yeah, and we will uh, link to both of those Twitter accounts in the show notes. And also, you can and you should 
buy Hyperdot on multiple platforms. Which platforms can people buy it on, Charles? Yeah, so Hyperdot is available on uh, Xbox and Windows 10 as Play Anywhere and on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and you can play it on Steam and Itch on PC, Mac, and Linux. Very cool. And you can buy the soundtrack separately. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you can actually get the soundtrack. It's actually also available on streaming services. So if oh you have Spotify, gosh. you can check it out on there. I get those sweet half pennies from every listen. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's our show. You can check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to the resources and all the fun things on today's topics. If you like this episode, give us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. Independent podcasts like ours rely on word of mouth to grow. We love hearing from our listeners. For a quick way to give us feedback on the show, head over to nicegames.club slash feedback and fill out a short little form. You can also get in touch with your nice hosts on Twitter, so much Twitter, at Nice Games Club, where Dale, our amazing Twitter chef Dale, tweets about game dev resources and armor-providing face masks. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Ask us questions, suggest topics, or just say hello. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. To go on a bumper sticker. It's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> nice games club. It's a fun time. <laughs> There's our post show content. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.